Good morning, and welcome to Midpoint Wednesday. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for WMNF's Mid Florida, Midweek, Mid Morning Dose of News and Public Affairs with a local perspective. You are listening to WMNF 88.5, Tampa Bay's only independent commercial FM commercial free FM radio brought to you by you because we are supported by generous listeners just like you. Today is November 16th, a mere week away from the midterm elections. And well, I've got some questions about what just happened. I'll bet you do too. Inquiring minds want to know, what's the matter with Florida? So I've asked some leaders in the local Democratic Party to come to the WMNF studio to help us understand just what caused the mighty red wave that fizzled out all across the country to sweep Blue Hillsborough County out to sea and then stomp on her head and light her on fire and throw her in the dumpster. What the heck happened here? We went from a deep blue county in 2018 and 2020 to bloody red last week. Why? Before we get to the answers, let me introduce my guests today. Susan Smith is a founder of the Democratic Progressive Caucus of Florida, which recently issued a public statement calling for the resignation of Manny Diaz, who is the current chair of the Democratic Party of Florida. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we had confirmed Ione Townsend, chair of the Hillsborough County Democratic Executive Committee, to be with us. But late yesterday, Ione called me and apologized profusely that a meeting about the upcoming city council elections was unexpectedly rescheduled and she had to attend it. And so she could not be with us here this morning. However, she wants the WMNF community to know how much she regrets missing today's show. And so she asked me to tell you that she is very much looking forward to being in conversation with you on Sunday during Walter Smith's Sunday Forum show right here from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. at 88.5 FM and WMNF.org. So please tune in to the Sunday Forum with Walter and talk with Ione about her views about what happened in Hillsborough County. Luckily, we have another person in leadership with the Florida Democratic Party here with us. Marcus Kleba is the state committee man from Hillsborough County. He's elected by members of the Democratic Party who serve as precinct captains in their neighborhoods. Right, Marcus? That's right. And he represents the interests of the Hillsborough County Democratic Executive Committee locally to the state party, which is the Florida Democratic Party. Do I have all that right? So far, yes. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. Marcus uh, also was the deputy regional director for the Gillum campaign and the deputy campaign manager, excuse me, for Ione Townsend's race for the Florida Democratic Party chair against Manny Diaz. So we're happy to have you here with us, Marcus. Thanks for coming on short notice. We appreciate you coming in so that we can explore just what went wrong in Florida for the Democrats. I know that our listeners are going to have some comments and questions for you both, too. So if you'd like to weigh in, please call us at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885 and let us hear from you and your thoughts about what happened in the midterm elections in Florida. So let me begin by noting some facts. So turnout in this election was abysmal, but turnout by Democrats was even worse. 
In Florida, in the 2018 general election, turnout was historically high at about 63 percent. In 2022, in this general election just passed, the turnout is not yet officially available from the Florida Division of Elections. So the Florida vote isn't going to be certified until this Friday. But we know that turnout is going to be lower than 2018. Election supervisors around the state reported that roughly 52.1% of Florida voters cast their ballots, though several counties were still tallying results when this was reported, when the polls just closed. In Hillsborough, for example, the unofficial turnout was just a little over 52%, and that was higher than the turnout in Central Florida, which was just over 46%. And that turnout that I'm referring to is the turnout from all voters, not just Democrats, which makes it even sadder. Um, so who were the voters who did turn out? Well, there were almost 600,000 new registered voters uh, in Florida who registered as Republican since 2018 and an additional almost 400,000 NPAs, which stands for no party affiliation, which probably lean Republican, um, or a large portion of them probably lean Republican. So that's roughly a million new voters in Florida likely to vote Republican since the last midterm in 2018. Meanwhile, it looks like the Democrats lost close to 10,000 new active registered voters since 2018. And for the first time, Republican registrations in Florida outpaced the Democrats. These numbers that I've just given you are numbers from the Florida Division of Elections as of the end of October. Um, so let me start with you, Marcus. <laughs> as a representative for the Florida Democratic Party, how do you explain these numbers? How do you explain losing the Democratic registration advantage and the failure to turn out voters in this election? Um, this is a really good question. And I think there's a number of factors that kind of go into it. I think um, underestimated is national trends. Uh, I think that Republicans, DeSantis very much turned the pandemic into what I would call a recruiting trip. And it was uh, heading out to the Sun Belt and the Rust Belt and saying, look, if you want to pay no income tax, have much better weather, and never be, never need to wear a mask, move to Florida. And I think a lot of the uh, changes in our uh, working habits, including more and more uh, working remote as a possibility, uh, that's, we see this reflected, and again, this, this affects the affordability crisis, right, in housing. And uh, it, the, all these people coming to Florida are raising our cost of living and doing and pricing out locals. So there's, there's, there's all kinds of socioeconomic trends that I think are nationwide that are factoring into this. And I think that the, you look at the, the voter registration, uh, looking at the numbers, it's very clear to us in Hillsborough that it's not Democrats leaving the party. It's people moving away naturally in smaller numbers, but the Republicans are growing. So when you say the gap is shrinking, it's we're having a hard time attracting new Democrats. It's growing. The gap is the gap growing. Is, well, well, it's shrinking because we still have between Democrats and Republican registrations is growing. Well, growing, but it's shrinking in Hillsborough because we have an advantage. Okay. So Hillsborough, so let me just give you the numbers. In 2020, we had a 75K advantage, Democrat over Republican Republicans in 2020 in Hillsborough. In 2022, uh, that shrunk to 52,000. Now, where are we going to be in 2024? I mean, that's, that's a real question. So when you look at the numbers, uh, in Hillsborough, we had a 52.4% uh, 
Democratic turnout. Uh, that's actually, if you go back to 2014 and 2016, that is uh, a few percentage points above what have historically been Democratic turnouts in Hillsborough uh, in uh in midterm elections. And actually, that's higher than the national average for turnout, I think. It it is, and we had a huge spike in 2018. We had 78% turnout in 2018. Um, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. We had 65% turnout in 2018. We had 78% in 2020 presidential. Yeah, 65% in in the Gillum election in 2018. 65. And so we went from 45, 46 uh, and in 2010, and then 2014 to 49, in 2018, we had 65%. So there's a huge spike. So you need to look at the greater historical context. We went back down this year in this midterm to 52.4. But that's still. Well, th- in Florida, from mm-hmm. my research, Republicans made up 45% of the vote, and Democrats made up 33% of the vote mm-hmm. of that turnout number that you're giving us. And that seemed, that's, that's, there's the rub right there. It is, and I think the big the big thing right now is the turnout for 2022. You know, hold on to your seat for Republicans in Hillsborough County was 67 percent. So we have a gap of 15 percent turnout difference in 2022 in Hillsborough. In Hillsborough now, because we had a 50, we had a uh, in 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 2018 we had this big advantage. So wait, wait, excuse mm-hmm. me though that so that 15 percent gap in Hillsborough mm-hmm. is higher than the gap statewide. Because statewide, Republicans turned out 45% of the vote, Democrats 33% of the vote. Uh, so that 15% in Hillsborough is higher than the gap statewide. That is not good. That is not a good trend. That is a bad trend. That's, you know. I would argue. That, uh, go ahead, Susan. I know, well, all I'm going to say is there was a serious enthusiasm gap this yes. election. And I. I to me, the blame goes right to the top. The blame goes to um, we had an uninspiring gubernatorial candidate. We had no leadership from the state party. And I know we're not supposed to cast blame, but I'm going to cast blame. Who says you're not supposed to cast blame? Oh, I'm, all, I'm all about <laughs> casting blame. Really? Uh, we had no direction from the state party. We had uh, our local chair, and, along with the Democratic County Chairs Association and the Democratic Women's Club of Florida, made a valiant effort to make up the gap by running their own field campaign statewide. Uh, but we couldn't do what we couldn't do it in a state like Florida without leadership from the Florida Democratic Party. And it was non-existent. There we was, had nothing. There was no we leadership. I have an email here from Karen in Dunedin. Obviously, that's Pinellas County. Uh, but Karen says, I think for my county, it was redistricting. I now have Anna Paulina Luna, who's a lunatic, and also my millennial son is done with the two parties, so he just sat out this election. That's from Karen in Dunedin. Um, Karen (laughs) speaks for many. (laughs) I think I know Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I think we know a lot of Karens. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I I mean, really, it's it's extraordinary. well, the redistricting, I don't think you can attribute Hillsborough's numbers to that. I, I, I think agree. it was just, you could tell we had trouble getting volunteers. We knew this was going to happen months ago. Yeah, now full disclosure, I need to make some full disclosures here. I am a Democrat and I did work the voter protection effort with Susan yes. um, here in Hillsborough County and uh, have done that historically. And I know 
that in years past, uh, we had no trouble getting volunteers for our voter protection efforts for poll watching and poll greeting, passing out slate cards and and, uh, being inside the precincts and inside the polling places for early vote. And this year we had a terrible time. Well, we we had the poll watchers, the poll greeters. We also had, too, because of the infrastructure that we have with our clubs and caucuses. The volunteers who usually kind of show up out of nowhere two to three weeks before an election never came. There's, there was just no enthusiasm. And you can't nominate a candidate who doesn't inspire and then expect people to come for what reason? They, I don't think they had any reason to, to show up. They well, didn't see they, the need. I mean, you know, the line was they had to show up to protect democracy and protect a woman's right to choose. That didn't seem to move people. Well, some candidates said that. Some candidates talked about, I mean, home, you know, the affordability of homes. We were all over the map with our messaging. There was no consistent party message at all from from the state. Um, Our our local chair, along with the other chairs, tried to do their own messaging. They hired somebody to help them, but that was not... You can't do that in the third largest state in the country without the state party apparatus. I I think there were some fundamental... You know, it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but we should do it anyway. I think Val Demings, a number of her advertisements ran on a law enforcement. Uh, You would have thought that she was currently police chief based on how she was doing her advertising. Right. She had she, no congressional record she was she, running on. She ran, she had, this. her whole message was, I'm tough on crime and, Mar- and Marco Rubio doesn't show up for work. That's not very inspiring. And, and you know, Charlie Crist being a former, and I understand people were making the, the Biden comparisons, right? That Biden is a centrist and so is Chris. Those are the, that was the, the basic argument. But Chris did not have an uh, inspiring uh, message that it was it was a stay the course message and it was people you know for for Gillum it really was an organic grassroots enthusiasm yeah people were willing to do this and people want to be part of a something when they feel like there's a positive energy mm-hmm. and what part of the things that we're missing from the Democratic Party is uh, the energy and I need to talk about this I think people need to understand the biggest thing about Florida is we need to give. DeSantis credit. We have to. He ran a presidential campaign in a midterm. The numbers are a $250 million disparity between what Republicans dropped in across the board and Democrats. Um, There was social media saturation. Yeah. I was on Facebook and I got really interesting. Um, I was getting regularly from Hillsborough Young Republicans I was getting videos of each of the candidates. And I'm talking about state house candidates and school board. I was getting micro-targeting of two to three minute, not anti-Democrat messages, but like, hey, this is me and I'm running. And everyone I spoke to, the previous resident of my house was a Republican. So the mailers I got directed to him, even though he's moved away years ago, vastly outnumbered the mailers that were directed to me as a registered Dem. Yeah, but you can't can't, uh, attribute it to a lack of money. For example, in the Hillsborough County Commission races, Mariella Smith had 10 times the money that Donna Cepeda had. 
She had twenty thousand something dollars. Mariella had over two hundred thousand dollars. But that's, it wasn't about the money. It is about the money because at the end of the day, the, the digital campaign. We I want to say this: we got our rear ends handed to us in the digital marketing. When you look at the numbers, uh, Tomas Kennedy, uh, an activist down in, he had four roommates in um, a Democrat activist uh, down in South Florida. He had four Democratic roommates. The five of them lived together. They got no phone calls, no knocks, no literature, no nothing, no persuasion. I heard that a lot from people, that and they got no contact no. with the party. Now, I know that there are isolated cases. There are people who walk their precincts three times, you know, during the course of the election season. But, you know, many, many people I heard from had no contacts. And I I know I live in um, Janet Cruz's district, and Jay Collins himself knocked on doors, I think, in our neighborhood at least twice uh, and called, because I, I have friends who are Democrats who are married to no-party affiliates, um, Call he called their house twice. They touched voters numerous times that we didn't, that we didn't, yeah. this cycle. Um, but then again... Um, the enthusiasm just wasn't out there. Right. It and wasn't because everybody who says that to me, I got no I got no touch from the Democrats who I know to be a Democrat. I said, what did you do? What did you do? Mm-hmm. What did you do? <laughs> and it's a humana, 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 you know? Because they did nothing. Because so, they didn't so let show me, up. Can I just quickly give kudos, since I'm so full of criticism for the Democratic Party, I will give some kudos to our voter protection program. The director of the voter protection program has two years under his belt at the FDP, and he was the most experienced person. He had the most seniority uh, of anybody. He's not I'm sure he's not even 30 years old. And he had a couple of deputies working under him and a couple of volunteers, and they ran the voter protection program, which was a model for the country. Yeah, we had the most voter, right? The largest voter protection program in the country. And that's because of dedicated volunteers like you, Shelley, and and our poll watchers. I mean, we put together a great program, but we have infrastructure in Hillsboro because of Ione Townsend and the, the, the clubs and caucuses that she has supported and built. And she just, she's great at delegating and letting people work. And we put together an amazing operation at the polls. Um, So I just want to say that, but it's a model for the way the state party could work with that kind of support that we got from from Sam and his team with the FDP. Um, So we had from the top and the bottom, and that made our middle management job <laughs> I much have to, easier. I have to just dispute one thing you said about Sam being the most experienced uh, person at, F- at the FDP level. I, I looked the other day and apparently the get out the vote person for FDP was Adam Hoyer, a Tampa person, a Tampa son of Judy and, and Chris Hoyer, who was a organizer for Obama 08, Obama 12. Um, I said yeah. seniority. Adam Hoyer hasn't been with the Florida no, Democratic he, Party. No, he, he, he hasn't worked, been, but he, he was ex- campaign. He's yeah. a very experienced organizer, well, and, and so, it's a major failure. So is the ED, but he only went to work for the party in 2021. Well, let's let's talk about the, the you know, we were talking about poll. The, let, before you start, right. let me just reintroduce you to our listeners. I am here with Susan Smith, who's the founder of the Democratic uh, Party's Progressive Caucus. 
and Martin Mar Marcus Kleba, who's the state committee man from Hillsborough County, um, and uh, responsible for getting out the vote here in the Hillsborough County area. And we are talking about the midterm elections. And if you'd like to join our conversation, please give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885, and let us hear from you. I have Clay from Land O'Lakes who wants to offer something about the election before I turn back to you, Marcus. Okay, Clay, you're on the line. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking my call and for doing the show. Um, let me first start by saying that I think we're getting off in the weeds here because uh, the whole purpose is to determine what actually happened in this election on a statewide level. I mean, your listening audience doesn't just live in Hillsborough County. So one of the things that we needed to realize, in Florida, it's probably the easiest place in the world to vote by vote by mail. I mean, you couldn't make it more easy. You get your ballot 30 days in advance. You get a chance to research all the candidates and all the amendments and whatever's on the ballot. Right. You have all the time to do that. Then the state right now is roughly divided with, uh, I think, I don't know if Democrats still, I, I have no statistical information available to me, but statewide, it's roughly the Democrats are leading with almost a third. The Republicans are right behind them, and the rest are NPAs or NPAs. Yeah, it's almost uh, one-third, one-third, one-third. Right, exactly. And what people always talk about is, you know, it's your right to vote. Well, I'm going to tell you something different. It's your responsibility to vote. It's your responsibility to yourself, to your family, to the other citizens of the state, to the state itself, and, of course, even nationally. You have that responsibility to do Yeah, that. but almost 50% of the people in Florida didn't don't think like it, you, Clay. That's my, that's my whole point. And, and, the, those, and the fact that people don't take the responsibility to do their job their civil duty in voting is why elections go and they end up getting more Ron DeSantis, more Marco Rubio, uh, more Moody, more of these bad Okay, people. well, what's your solution, Clay? Well, I didn't say I had a solution. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, didn't, you don't have a solution? You just wanted to call in and uh, complain about it. I have a solution, and the solution is that people need to be responsible for it. Listen, if you don't go out and exercise your responsibility and your right to vote, then what ends up happening is that you get what you deserve and you deserve what you get. Okay. And you should never open your uh, mouth and say anything about it. All right. So Thank you for your perspective, Clay. Thank you for your perspective. I'm going to turn to Marcus and see if right. maybe he has a solution. Thanks a lot. Um, I do think, I think the answer is you need to look at, and we can talk about the FTP and, and the, uh, I think we have to, but I want to, we want to look at two places. I want to look at Arizona. And I want to look at especially Michigan. Michigan actually protected, uh, not just the right to vote. They reelected a governor uh, who was uh, very much under siege from the right wing. Uh, they flipped both the state house and the state senate, and they have the trifecta. And they did this uh, through, I believe, that there were competing waves in this election. And abortion and the uh, defense of democracy were the Democratic vote drivers. And I think the data shows that in terms of messaging. And on the, on the Republican side, it was, uh, I mean, honestly, the entire woke collective and, and Biden hysteria, right, and, and falling in line rather than falling in love, which is what we say about Republicans fall, fall in line and Democrats fall in love. And I think that the reason that there was no wave in either direction, 
um, and we have a net possibly one seat change in the Senate is because of these competing waves. And I think that there was no uh, emphasis on, on consistent messaging on the issues of either defensive democracy or uh, abortion in Florida. I think specifically uh, DeSantis did a pretty good job of trying to not explain how much he's going to go after abortion now that he's reelected. And I think people had their head uh, in the sand in, in, in Florida a little bit about what's coming. As much as we've, many of us have argued about how bad the, 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 the things that the legislature has done, uh, it's, it still hasn't touched enough ordinary um, uh, Floridians. And I think more than that, you saw DeSantis taking credit for things like the Build Back Better Act, right, the Infrastructure Act, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, even though not a single Republican voted for it, right? right? So you're taking credit for stimulation and economic development that is not that you actually opposed. But you're, taking, you're getting credit for it. And I think the Ian response is something that people continually, the, the polls were closer yeah. Uh, for Christ, uh, there was one poll I saw that he had pulled within one during this during the DeSantis stunt with Martha's Vineyard. Right. So there's some internal polling that was that they believed that that Christ was within one point in September after the the whole uh, brouhaha over over basically being cruel to migrants. That's what that was, and it was a political stunt. And then Ian changed. Yeah. And and I think you know people look at that and 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 again DeSantis took the help from Biden. And it shows the government works. Right, disaster relief is not a private enterprise-driven thing, and uh, you know people like running with the leader. Let me let me uh, turn to Taylor, who's been patiently waiting. Taylor, you're on the line. Oh, hi, Sally. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Taylor? I'm good. Um, sort of continuing from what Marcus just mentioned about the political stunt. How can we ignore the spectacular acts of voter suppression that were enacted right? here in Hillsborough, arresting the voter who thought he'd had his rights restored and removing a twice-elected state attorney who sided with BLM and with women who seek abortion. I mean, that has a chilling effect. Why do, you, why do we wonder why those were enacted right here in Hillsborough County? Well, you know, that's the certainly the felon disenfranchisement and the arrests of uh, the felons you can definitely attribute voter suppression to that. But I wonder if the removal of Andrew Warren, which was something that, um, you know, really was a threat to democracy, wouldn't have motivated more people to get out and vote. Well, if the voters remembered it, it happened four months ago. Uh, We have no media. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for your comments. Yeah, we have no um, media operation that I can tell. We should be controlling the narrative on some of this stuff. There's plenty out there. And where is the messaging? Where are the messengers? Why are we not um, consistent with this? Um, And I think, I mean, I have one reason. The consultant cartel that controls the Democratic Party uh, makes money no matter what we do, win or lose. So they um, don't let us do any different. And until we get rid of them, until we restructure our party, and Marcus knows he's been a part of this, and I think I've even talked about it on this show, on, about the weighted vote. The Democratic Party bylaws have not been uh, rewritten since 1973. 
it's a dysfunctional party by design and the reason it can't be changed is because we're controlled by five or six consultants in this state and i'm i'm not even sure i know who all of them are but i know i've seen it in operation and until we change all of that and and build a more grassroots uh county focused you know strengthened um organization it's not going to change i I mean we talk about money matters right i believe that the fdp raised i think seven million this cycle 3.5 million was a loan from val demings um at one point last last year in 2021 the d the small county coalition and the democratic county chairs association asked the florida democratic party for twenty one thousand dollars for assisting in starting up, uh, you know, all the things that you need for get out the vote, reg- voter registration, um, you need office supplies, you need all this stuff, $21,000. They were promised by Manny Diaz and the FDP, multiple occasions. Now, remember, this is across Florida. This is, this is, non, this is Democratic organs, right? The, the, the county chairs association, the small county coalition. That check for $21,000, which was promised, never came. Mm. If we are struggling to write a $21,000 check to our internal you know, the, the entities that are trying to get out the vote, your hamstring, it's like running a race with your shoelaces tied. Right. And, you know, it continues with, uh, uh, I mean, that's really the, that's really the issue is, is it starts with that. Let, and me, it, let me take a call from Jose, who's been very patient. Uh, Jose, you're on the air. Hi, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Um, I'm a, I just want to apologize. You know, my English is my second language, so. I can understand you perfectly. What are your comments? I'm, I'm trying to do my best. So this is my, my, my main idea. You know, the Democratic Party needs to go to the ground all year round, every single month, every single week, every single day. Go to the neighborhoods, talk to the people. People are struggling right now with jobs that they're not paying enough. People are struggling with uh, the food expenses that are very high right now. People are, you know, having a hard time feeding their kids right now. And this message is is the only time that I see the Democratic Party, even anybody, any politicians, the only time when I see people going and ask for those questions is when it's time to vote, when it's only three months to go to vote. That's it. When well, it's I think you have a point. I think, uh, I think you have a point about that, that the party needs to be out in the community all the time, yeah. not just Look, at I'm election not, time, whether I'm it's like food doing. drives or, uh, you know, bringing things into the neighborhood that the neighborhood needs, you know, obviously yeah. combined with voter registration, uh, yes. but but yeah. needs more visibility other than just at election time. I think you make a good point, Jose. Thank you for calling in. Okay. How about I say again? Thank you. Um, I think he's got a point. Yeah, so what I was going to say, the 21000 Hillsborough County raises money to pay for those things. It's not us, but there are counties throughout Florida that are so dominated by the Republican Party. Some of them don't even have local organizations. I know the Democratic Women's Club of Florida sent out mailers and worked with the orphan counties. That's what we call the counties that don't have a local party structure. Um, but you've got other counties that can't 
can't raise money. And they've always had grants for small counties. You get so many vote by mail, so many voter registrations. You'll get some money to operate your get out the vote campaign. And to uh, as, do the things that as, Jose was just asking yes, for. Yes, and as far as I know, that kind of leadership has been absent for the last two years. I mean, I'll give an example. Let's say we had the $250 million on the table and I, for some reason, had access to, to decision-making about that money. Like, we had a Democratic equivalent. Uh, Tomas Kennedy has said this. Many people have said this. We should have permanent campaign offices that function as community centers. The reality is that $20 million should be raised every cycle, and we should go to be entering into long-term leases with a physical location in these neighborhoods that people go into and that they know that 24-7, 365 – so to, well, maybe not in the evenings and the weekends, but, but that when they come back on Monday, that someone's going to be there to help them with things like, well, there's a pothole in front of my thing. How do I get registered? What do I, how do I find free legal services? How do I, you need to be giving back to the community. And Thomas Kennedy, was, we've made this suggestion. It's, it's year after year after each election, the FDP, and we spend every last dime we have and we close every office we open. Well, except in Hillsborough, right? Because Hillsborough well, started we, the Hillsborough Society, which was like a high donor organization that was established for the sole purpose, I think, of keeping uh, an office and staffed and open we all year round. We did close it during COVID. Right. We, well, we closed it and gave up our lease because it was but, a couple of thousand a month we were paying. But, so the, we but the purpose of the Hillsborough Society was to maintain an administrative structure and a place and an office you know, year round, other than, you know, COVID was an extraordinary situation. But and, but and why should that be a county? I mean, that was an initiative done on the county level with, yes. with donors. I'm talking about an FDP statewide. And also, there's one office for all of Hillsborough. Okay. What about the primary communities that we're serving? The, the fast-growing Latino community, the African-American community? What about, what about being in the places where the voters are to serve them? Having a central office for signs and rallies and volunteer distribution is great during an election, but we should be looking at making permanent inroads. I always say, how can we help? The Democratic Party needs to be asking the question, how can we help? And then offering solutions to people that goes beyond asking for their vote every four... I mean, uh, Jose was 100% right. We, it, it's, it's completely self-defeating and cynical. It, we, if you show up at election time asking for a vote and you're not there the rest of the time, you know, f- you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice or multiple times, shame on me. At some point, the voters are going to be uh, tuning out the message, and I think that's part of it in, Friday, in, in, in Florida as well. We're not able to deliver what we, what we promise. All right. Well, we're here with some of the leaders of the Florida Democratic Party to talk about the midterm campaigns, candidates, the election, the voters, and anything else that's on your mind. And if you'd like to join our conversation with Susan Smith from the Progressive Caucus of the Florida Democratic Party or Marcus Kleba, who is here um, as our state committee representative from Hillsborough County to the state party, uh, give us a call. At 813-239-9663, you can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. I'm going to take a call from, uh, let's see, who's been waiting? DeAndre from Ybor City. Uh, DeAndre, you're on the line. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was uh, just thinking about uh, uh, looking over the, the campaigns and like how disconnected it seemed that the Democratic Party seemed from matters. Like, I understand that uh, uh, so many issues as far as for gerrymandering, women's rights, and uh, health rights, 
uh, overall were being uh, uh, like uh, addressed, but um, I, I, I brought it up in different circles before. But like the matter of technology and the the questions seem to be asked of like what's going to be coming around the corner, you know, when it comes to like automobiles, uh, uh, home uh, development. Or home, uh, manu- uh, like say manufacturer, but those sorts of things are really what interest. Well, they interest me, and and I believe they interest others because of the. Well, what what? Uh, let me let me try and figure out what you're suggesting, DeAndre. Are you suggesting that there needs to be more uh, issues on the ballot that people can get psyched about in the areas that you're talking I, I, about? I absolutely yes. I feel so. Like for example, I know it. I know that. around the country there were referenda on things like abortion rights, putting it in state constitutions. Um, I I wonder if we didn't, if we had had a referenda on legalization of cannabis, if we could have turned out more voters in Florida, particularly youth voters. Uh, you know, there was a, a youth wave um, in other places around the country, but not in Florida. So um, is that is that, if I understand you correctly, you're suggesting that we need to ha- put things on the ballot that excite people? Is that what you're saying, DeAndre? Particularly, yes, but with technology. Okay, well, you're focused on technology. Well, uh, you know, uh, and, I'm and not sure what kind of technological... Uh, uh, Green New Deal oriented technology. Okay. Okay. Green New yes. Deal. Well, you know, the Republicans in the state legislature in Florida have made it much more difficult to put a referendum on the ballot now. They've made it uh, much more difficult because they've uh, restricted or constrained the use of paid canvassers to get the signatures that are needed. And you now need like a supermajority uh, to get it passed. Um, 62% or something like that, 66%. There's social media, though, to highlight some of those issues and those inequities in um, uh, bringing up matters. That's the thing about it. Like, if you you point these things out when it comes to, and I'm sorry, I'm sort of selfish on this, but green tech, um, then you will have everybody outside of just the Democratic Party, like, pushing their congressmen and women on, like, What's the holdup when we're supposed to be dealing with this sort of a paradigm shift? It's long overdue. It's been like since All right. you know, the beginning of OPEC and like Carter that we've been looking in this direction. What's the uh, holdup? You know? All right. All right. Well, I think I, 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 I understand your point, DeAndre. I appreciate your comments. And thanks for calling in. Um, I've got Mike in Sarasota who's been very patient, too. So let me, let, let me bring him on. Mike, you're on the air. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I'd just like to start by saying there's an old adage in politics, I'm sure your guests have heard before, which is that your, your, your best friend won't cross the street to vote for you while your enemy will drive ten, ten, uh, 10 miles to vote against you. <laughs> and I guess you know, the, the meaning of this is you don't want to offend people in politics. I mean, that's, that seems, seems pretty obvious. And what I'm getting at is the Democrats, unfortunately, it's their message that's the problem. And they have a message that offends a lot of people. I'll give you an example. In 2020, uh, Susan McManus, a professor of USF, reported that black women did not vote for Gillum because the Kavanaugh uh, controversy had just gone through the, the Supreme Court, and black women feared that their sons would become victims of Me Too accusations. So there was a shift 
in the votes of black women. That's a key constituency of the Democratic Party. Uh, okay, I want to dispute that. Hang, but... on, hang on, let me finish. I got okay. more examples. Another example of how the Democrats offend people is when you take a look at the Obama administration set down a policy which allowed Nicholas Cruz to avoid prosecution in Broward County and get referred to something like the Promise Program, which eventually led to him being free to go ahead and, and massacre students at Parkland High School. And a third example is that where the Democrats have a very poor message is in the public's mind, they're identified as the party that wants to allow you know, adults who are of a mixed sexual identity, might be men, might be women, might be in between, to go into the bathrooms with, you know, in schools with young children. Now, all of these things offend you know, the average, average voter. So well, but hold up, hold up. I, I, I think you're making some assumptions here that aren't necessarily fair. Um, I don't know that they okay. offend the average voter. You're not, this isn't Mike Flynn from Sarasota, is it? <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike Swin? Flynn, I said. I said it's not Mike Flynn from Sarasota, is it? Uh, okay. But you don't have to answer that. So let me let me come back at this. First of all, I... I thank you, wait, thank you for your call, Mike. Appreciate your uh, comments. Okay, I never heard Susan McManus say that, but I did hear Dan Smith from UF, the political science uh, guru up there, um, at a conference he spoke, and he said that not only did Andrew Gillum lift up the black women vote, he turned out women from the ages of 18 to 34, uh, like the, uh, black women that had never voted before. Uh, and Bill Nelson would not have even made it to the runoff that Bill year. who? We never saw him. Yeah. In, in that, <laughs> that Bill Nelson wouldn't, wouldn't even have gotten that far to go to a runoff if it hadn't been for Gillum being on the ticket and lifting up uh, the black women vote. Um, and then the other thing, he created some straw men there. The whole uh, trans bathroom thing is is totally made up by the Republicans to try to gen up their base and and make and blame trans kids for uh, to divert attention away from the crap they do. Well, but I Sorry. think that he made his point though that with issues like that, you're going to get people who will drive across the county to vote against you. True, true. But then he repeats it and makes it. Uh, you know, and this is where the media campaign I was talking yes. about a while ago. We, where is our narrative? So I agree with him on that. Where yeah. is our narrative on all these things? Well, I think I think the issue is also what what cuts the noise and setting the terms. I find it really interesting that in Hillsboro, the all for transportation tax lost. I think it was fifty one forty nine, and outperformed the actual Democratic candidates on the ballot. In other words, that the margin in the in the county commission races and for DeSantis were significantly greater for the, a pure economic issue, which is we should build better roads and, and bicycles and have fewer uh, traffic accidents, right? And, and so, but more than that, I totally dispute the idea that we don't have winning issues. Um, in the last uh, few years in Florida, passing with over 60% of the vote, right, statewide, five progressive issues, environmental protection, medical marijuana, the right to vote, voter protection, re, uh, felon reinstatement, uh, uh, fair districts, and minimum wage $15 an hour. My goodness, those are five major progressive Democratic issues. And you know what? They win. They win with over 60% of the vote statewide. And we didn't have any of the, any similar referenda on this ballot. We did, but here's the other thing we're missing. We're missing the candidates. I said it before, I'll say it again. Republicans fall in line, Democrats fall in love. If we need to find candidates who link the message and the issues with their own personality. 
people rally around a flag. They rally around, and I don't mean a flag in the sense of the, the, the American flag. I mean a flag in the sense of show your colors, what is your banner, what do you stand for? And they want to be part of a community and part of a team. And this is one thing that Gillum did very well. You need to create inspiring. Like, we can't keep putting the same candidates, milk toast, senior citizens. You, you can't, if you want the next generation, every four years. Okay, if yeah. I understand what you're saying in a nutshell is you want more progressive candidates. Gillum was a pretty progressive candidate and he was an inspiring candidate in terms of the Democratic base. He got a lot of people out to vote. This election, we did not have progressive candidates. We we didn't even field well, not, candidates. Not, not at the top of the ticket, we didn't, I should no, say. No, we didn't. And we didn't even field candidates in, was it 50-some races? State House and Senate State races? State House and Senate, we conceded dozens of seats. We didn't even have a candidate. Okay, so I was on the last um, election autopsy in 20, what was that? After 2018, the path to power. I wouldn't put my name on the final report because they wouldn't give us the the. Uh, survey results. There have been two others that I know of. One, the Progressive Caucus did following elections. Why do we lose? What do we want to recommend? None of those recommendations are <laughs> ever adopted. put into place. Yeah. And one is to recruit and and um, build candidate supports. You know, we have really we do have some good candidates. We also have candidates who are out there flailing on their own without any support or any guidance or any kind of, um, you know, advice even. And then we charge them money to, to do anything. Yeah. Tell, talk about the state. No, I, I don't want to get in the weeds with that, uh, yeah, with that well, internal okay. stuff. Let me, let me take an email from uh, Audi, uh, Audi. Brian, who has written us to say, I cringe whenever I hear some of my favorite black pundits ask why black people should vote if they are not getting what their need, if they are not getting their needs met. I think this discourages people. I find myself yelling at the radio and TV because we need to move in a better direction. Even if we think that both candidates or parties are flawed, we can choose the lesser of the two evils. That's from Audie Bryan. Hey, listen, I've been singing that song uh, ever since uh, this election season started. People saying they're both bad. They're both bad. You know, go from bad to worse. And I, I'm always saying, look, we have a binary election system. You have two choices, basically. I mean, you could vote for some, you know, minor party candidate and waste your vote. But we basically have, it's a binary choice. Somebody is going to win, one of two. And so if the race is between bad candidate versus worse candidate, why wouldn't you vote for bad? <laughs> I just, you know, I just heard that this morning. I was listening to Helen Highwater podcast and John Meach. I think made the same point. He said, it's not a question of do I want Hillary Clinton to be president? It's do I want Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Right. You've got two choices there. Right. So you pick it's the, two choices. So, so pick, yeah. if it's between bad versus worse, pick bad. Mm -hmm. um, we are here with uh, some of the leaders in the Florida Democratic Party talking about uh, the recent midterm elections. We've got a backup of calls here, so I'm going to take uh, some some calls, and uh, this is from Sister Kelly in Tampa. Sister Kelly, you're on the line. Thank you for all you guys do. I want to inform that our community organizer, Ms. Robin Lockett. Lockett. Robin Lockett mm -hmm. from Florida Rising? 
we had two events in the last voting period. And she had a picnic atmosphere. She had uh, a lot of volunteers and the, the local politicians that were, uh, they came out, the ones that came out, Val, Hart, Castor, Melissa Black, etc. It doubled the participation from the, that community. That community is L- MLK, 22nd Street, and the, from the park with a picnic atmosphere, we march up to early voting at the library on MLK. Right. Look, look for. So you, so you agree that there needs. So you agree there needs to be more community involvement to get people out to vote. Extremely, because in my community, I've been here for almost thirty years, and not one knock at my door, nor my neighbors. Hmm. Thank you. All right, thank you, Sister Kelly. Thanks for calling, Uh, George. You're on the on the line. Can you be brief? We're running out of time. I'll be very brief. I want to echo uh, Sister Kelly's uh, comment, and I wanted uh, to mention the uh, issue with the Latino voters and how people feel that uh, we are going to the right uh, or, or to Republicans. Yes. Uh, one uh, issue that I think uh, needs to be focused on, needs to be touched on, is our, our, uh, our media. Uh, Latinos have a lot of radio stations. They are all right. I'm so glad you brought that up, George, because that's something I was talking about, too, during this election season. We do not, Democrats do not advertise on Spanish radio, and it is a huge, big thing in the Latin community, right, George? Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. I I think uh, the Democratic Party is true, have been, have taken us for granted or have ignored us, and even. Entities that profess to be progressives, us, WMNF, has rejected us. We don't have a single show on WMNF, a single talk show on WMNF, not one during the daytime either, you know? I, so, I don't know about that, George. Have you, you looked at the programming uh, guide uh, recently? Oh, no, no, I, I, I've been there for 15 years. I okay. That. Yeah, we, that's a fight we've been having. And, and, and uh, there's a, 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 a cluster of people. Very, very conservatives are running there and, and, uh, and have... Well, I, I don't want to get too deep into the WMNF politics now. We're talking about democratic politics, but I'm sure that, I'm sure that the powers that be are listening to you and you should bring your, your issues to them. I certainly don't have any thank control you. over programming. Thank but thank, thank you. Thanks for your comments, George. Okay, so we have a, also an email from Sean who wants to remind us that younger voters shape this midterm elections and that this will be the new normal. Uh, He says in critical states like Florida, Georgia, Michigan, and Nevada, the youngest generation of voters headed to the polls at their second highest rate for a midterm in 30 years. Um, Well, this is also the first election that had a Gen Z elected. Right. Matthew Frost in Orlando. And so, um, you know, that's it's when you start becoming old enough to take office yourselves. I think you find a voice. And I think uh, Gen Z, I've, I've dealt with them a bit in the in the context of organizing, and they they really do say what they mean and take charge and work hard. It's going to be very interesting to see 
uh, the strong personalities that come through that I think people see in that generation. I've got uh, an email here from Joe Walters, who I know in, uh, was involved in the party, and he says, I agree with Susan that the Democrats need to prioritize running candidates. We gave up dozens of state house seats. We must have given up hundreds of county commission seats. Most of the counties in Florida meet with Republican candidates after they win the primary. The Florida Democratic Party needs to be an option everywhere if we want to start winning statewide races and begin to turn the tide in the legislature. Thank you from Joe. Um, and I also have an email here from David who says, I was very disappointed that the Dems didn't bother to show up. Christ is a much better alternative to DeSantis, and yet the Dems stayed home. This also plays into DeSantis's strategy. Now he can brag about his huge margin of victory. Uh, Gillum turned out not to be a viable candidate, simply too much scandal, signed David. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, I think the Gillum scandal stuff didn't really affect the, the election, and most of it was post-election. But I do think that it's true that Dems didn't show up for Christ. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's self-evident here. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think it's important to do a post-mortem. I'm anxious to see what will happen with the statewide organization if indeed Manny Diaz is going to resign. He has, he's been talking tough. Um, well, you know, I almost called for his resignation before the election because he endorsed mayoral candidates. Um, a, a state party chair doesn't do that. There were Dems running against, there were two Dems in a runoff in Tallahassee, and he he uh, endorsed one over the other. And that's just unheard of that he would do that. And I almost, at that point, you know, made a public statement, not that well, anybody would have listened, but uh, I was afraid I would get accused of, you know, cost, costing somebody the election for dividing people. And he's he's now talking tough about remaining in his position and not well, resigning. Well, we, we at the state executive committee will have a say on that, and that's going to be, we were originally going to do it. This is the endemic of the FDP. He called a meeting for December 3rd, and then we had the runoff in Georgia, and he called it, and no one thought about it. And then they said, why are you having a meeting when we should be doing get out the vote for Warnock? Oh, oh, we're sorry. And now they're talking about moving it to January. It's a, In a microcosm, it's exactly the problem, and there will be accountability, and there's going to be discussions in the executive committee. As state state, executive, uh, state committee man, I can say that the, there will be a lot of discussions. Uh, about okay, it. so let me, to that. let me tell our listeners that, that if they like have a position on that, they need to reach out to Marcus Kleiba or Vanessa Lester, who are our state committee uh, representatives here in Hillsborough County, and make your thoughts known about what needs to happen at the Florida state level. Uh, we need to um, wrap this up right now, and I want to thank my guests, Marcus Kleiba and Susan Smith, for being with us. We appreciate you and all the work that you did. Uh, if you joined us late in the show, feel free to go back and listen on demand from the Midpoint archives at WMNF.org Midpoint or slash Midpoint or from the app or find us at WMNF Midpoint wherever you get your podcasts. I also want to thank our WMNF volunteers who make the show get on, Jessica Green and Barbara Fling. And as always, I thank you, the WMNF listeners, for your interest and support of Midpoint. If you enjoyed the show, consider dropping a tip in the tip jar for us, and please direct your donation to MPW for Midpoint Wednesday. But right now, stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss. Up next, we are WMNF Tampa. Oh,